because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. God had just cursed the ground. Who is the worker of the ground? It's Cain. Who do you think had the heart of go of it? Cain does. Now, it doesn't tell us that if Cain or Abel got to choose what they chose to do, but I would guess that Abel probably got his work from Adam, giving them his chores when they were growing up. And since Cain is the firstborn, he would have had the tougher job. So at this point, after working the ground hard and long for a long time, Cain is becoming jealous of how easy he believes Abel has it. Let's stop here for a moment. Here's one source of anger, which is envy. It's very easy for us to fall into the grass is greener on the other side, people. It is very easy, mainly because we know every detail about the situation that we are in. We know the good and the bad. And many of us find it very easy to focus on the bad. It works? Sweet. <laughs> well, we only see the good things that other ha others have compared to us. This is the dangerous state of mind to be in. It's a very dangerous state of mind to be in. This is why Psalm 34.1 reminds us that I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If you have praise continually in your mouth, it is nigh impossible to be angry. In God's sovereignty, he has placed you exactly where you are today with the situations you are dealing with. This is a great comfort to those in Christ. You are not alone. You not only, not only do we have the Father, Christ, and the Holy Spirit, you have the body of Christ. We have each other. I know that if anything were to happen to me, Kara and Nora and our tiny baby boy would be taken care, taken care of. Do you want comfort? Seek comfort in Christ. All right, back to Cain. In verses 3 and 4, Cain and Abel bring the first offering to the Lord. What we find out is that the Lord has regard for Abel and his offering, but not for Cain and his offering. So I'm going to read 4b through 5a. It says, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. What this is showing us is that the Lord sees our heart of the one giving the offering. Cain's heart was not in his sacrifice. He was just trying to get credit and check a box. The Lord sees our hearts. No matter how good our offering is, if our heart isn't in it, it does not please the Lord. Cain could have brought the first fruits of his offering. But if his heart wasn't in it, it does not matter. So we need to check our hearts when we give. We must give out of a joyous heart to the Lord. If not then we're just opening the door for anger. Second half of, the, of verse 5, 5b, it says, So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Cain was very angry. He's burning hot with anger. So what made him angry? Did, was it that the Lord rejected him? Was it that Cain did not have a good enough Offering just compared to Abel? 
If Abel wasn't there, would Cain still have been as angry as he was if it was just him trying to offer his offering to the Lord? So if you've been a part of this church at any time, you know the answer to the following question. Was Cain angry at God? Or was he angry at Abel? And what's the answer? Yes. He's angry at both of them. He's angry at Abel for outdoing him. And he's angry at God for not accepting him. So in verses 6 and 7, we get to see the very first counseling session between God and Cain. We get to read verse 6 and 7. The Lord said to Cain, he's counseling him here now, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. God starts by asking Cain questions, just like we have been learning throughout this whole series. Why are you angry? God is trying to get at the heart issue. Of course, the Lord already knows the heart issue, but Cain may not. This brings me to an excellent tool of counseling that we can all use. It's called a journal of upsets. Take any sin issue that you're struggling with. I'm just going to use anger today because, well, that's the topic. But you can do any sin issue, addiction, okay? Same-sex attraction, anything. Anytime you're angry, write down what's going on, what you're thinking about, What are your actions and what are you saying? What are you feeling and what are you wanting at that moment? As in, what would make the situation better so that you wouldn't be angry? So situation, thinking, doing, feeling, and wanting. Once you have those down, you can start reflecting on where your thinking is biblical and where your thinking doesn't meet up with Scripture. It may be that you are wanting something biblical, but you don't want it more than God's glory, so you respond in a way that doesn't glorify him. So a good desire may become an idolatrous desire because it is ruling your heart instead of God. For example, you hate to be late. Who hates to be late? I hate to be late. Okay? And you may be getting angry when you get in a situation where you're going to be late. It's not bad to want to be on time, but... In this situation, you are loving being on time and being punctual more than you are loving the glory of God. You plan to be on time, but God is sovereign, and he is making you late, whether it be traffic or your family just is not getting ready as quickly as you want it to be. In this moment, you are focusing on the consequences of being late and not biblical truth. You are making punctuality an idol. You need to change, or we need to change our thinking to focus on passages like Proverbs 16, 9. The man, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. We need to be thinking rightly, so when things don't go our way, we don't get angry. The journal of upsets is an excellent tool for reflection, and reflection is what the Lord is asking Cain to do. So in verse 7, the Lord lets Cain know that hope is not lost. If he does well, he will be accepted, and he will be back in the Lord's favor. The Lord also warns that sin is crouching at the door and wants to overtake him. However, we can and must rule over it. With the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit, we can rule over sin because sin is broken. 
This is incredible hope for those of us in Christ and those of us seeking Christ. There is hope. Okay, this is the end of the first counseling session between God and Cain. Now Cain has a choice. He can return to God's favor or he can be overtaken by his anger. Cain needs to decide where he's going to find his final comfort. It's very interesting. In Genesis 27, 41 through 42, Esau is planning to kill Jacob and other brothers, more brothers, for stealing his birthright. I'm going to read these two verses. 27, 41 through 42. Now Esau hated Jacob because the blessing with which his father had blessed him and Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob her younger son and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Esau is comforting himself by planning to kill Jacob. That's where he's going to find his comfort. He's going to find his comfort by killing his brother. Guess where Cain's going to find his comfort? He's finding his comfort by going to kill Abel. But we've learned throughout this whole series, where should we find our comfort? We need to find our comfort in the Lord. They're looking in the wrong place. It's interesting that anger can be found to be comforting. But that's not where we should be finding our comfort. We need to find our comfort in the Lord. We don't have to wait long to see which path he takes in verse 8 as he goes to speak to Abel. At this point, we are wondering if Cain is going to ask for forgiveness for being angry. Has he listened to the wisdom of the Lord? Well, no. We know how the story goes. He goes out to the field and kills his brother Abel. So the second point. God is deadly serious about anger. And it runs much deeper in each of us than we know. Again, God is deadly serious about anger. And it runs much deeper than each of us know. Immediately after Cain kills Abel, God starts the second counseling session with Cain. God again asks Cain a question that God already knows the answer to. Where is Abel? The Lord knows how Cain is going to respond, but he still lets him respond. Cain can ask for forgiveness and repent for what he has done. The Lord is letting him make the right choice again, but Cain doesn't do it. Cain's response, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain responds in an angry, sarcastic, biting way towards God. Cain doesn't fear God. Big mistake. <laughs> Big mistake. God's righteous anger has now been kindled against Cain. The Lord is slow to anger as we are called to be, but Cain has pushed him long enough. The Lord's response is now judgment. I'm going to read verses 10 through 12. And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, from which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer of the earth. 
own your own body in the midst of which God dwells. For I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of the people of Israel, and we know that the Lord dwells in us. We shall not defile ourselves. Now I'm going to read verse 33 again. No atonement can be made for the land except for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of those and the one who shed it. We all deserve death. For killing those we love with our thoughts, with our words, with our actions. Would I get angry at Kara for getting in the way of my selfish desires, whether I say anything or not? I deserve death. My blood is the price for shedding hers. Thank God that Christ died in my place. His blood covers mine covers us all. In Hebrews 12, 24, it says that Jesus' blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood is crying out from the ground for justice to be done. Jesus' blood cries out for mercy to be shown so we may be saved from our sin. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain of those that I had crucified and slaughtered in my mind and in my house and in my work. But God has washed it white as snow. Back to Cain. So the Lord brings judgment on Cain and curses Cain from the ground. Now the Lord just cursed the ground. We know that. But now he's cursing Cain from his own livelihood. If it was hard for Cain before, now it's utterly impossible. Now that the Lord has pronounced judgment on Cain, Cain has two choices, which brings us to our third point. We have two choices. We can continue in our sin or repent and mortify our sin daily. We can continue in our sin or repent and mortify our sin daily. So how does Cain respond to God's judgment? 13, 14. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, from the place I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Cain's response is not good. Cain's response is self-pity. Instead of repentance, showing that he still fears man more than he fears the Lord. Through this whole story, Cain chooses his sin instead of God. He responds that the punishment is more than he can bear. Well, he should have thought about that before he killed his brother. One can argue that Cain did not know what the punishment was for murder. The law had not been written yet. However, from his response, we know that he knows that he deserves death. Whoever finds me will kill me. Cain understands that he deserves to die. It's written on his heart. So how much more for us? We know that anger is murder, according to Jesus. We know what we get for it. We know we deserve death. Unrighteous anger will send you to hell. You are putting yourself there. Some of my students talk about me giving them a grade. No, they're giving themselves their own grade. I just happen to mark it on their paper. It's the same thing here. You can choose to follow Christ and have eternal life, or you can choose to reject Christ 
continue in your sin, your anger, and have eternal punishment. So now, what is God's response to Cain's self-pity and understanding that he should be killed? 15. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any found him should, be, should attack him. God doesn't want Cain to be killed, which is very interesting. When Noah and his family get off the ark, God says in Genesis 9, 6, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. This is how the followers of God are instructed to deal with murderers before Jesus. This is how Cain is expecting to die by the hand of another. Instead, God shows him mercy and goodness, even though Cain never repented for what he did. Now that we have learned from Cain what not to do, what should we do? How do we counsel ourselves and others who are struggling with anger? Well, we can use the Journal of Upsets to reflect upon and analyze anger. David Powelson uses seven key questions to ask in order to analyze your anger and someone else's anger. I'll try to say them slow, but if you miss some and would like to have them, just ask me after the service and I'll be more than glad to give them to you. One, ask yourself, do you get angry at the right things? Do you get angry at the right things? If someone or something is taking the glory away from God, then that is the right thing. That would be righteous anger. However, if you're getting angry because of selfish reasons, that's sinful anger. So do you get angry at the right things? Two, do you express anger in the right way? Do you express anger in the right way? Is it biting and hurtful? Or is it under control and have concern for the well-being of others? Do you want there to be a change that is glorifying to God? Are you trying to help them in sanctification? If not, you're not controlling your anger. You're not using it and expressing it in the right way. Three, how long does your anger last? Think if you can shut it off when you want to. Anger should not be consuming when it's righteous anger. So how long does your anger last? Four, kind of goes along with it, how controlled is your anger? How controlled is your anger? Again, if you start thinking it's getting out of control, you're entering a very dangerous place. Anger should never be out of control. You should be able to shut it off when you want to. How controlled is your anger? Five, what motivates your anger? Motives are Said it, they say everything. If your own selfishness controls your anger and motivates your anger, you know that that's not righteous anger. It needs to be an issue about someone or something taking the glory away from God. We need to have the right motivation. Six, is your anger primed and ready, ready to respond to another person's habitual sins? Essentially, are you wanting to, or waiting for someone to mess up again or are you ready to give them grace because no sin is uncommon to us all? We need to be able to be a good counselor to those who are struggling with sin. 
If we get angry at those who sin, then we're not pointing them towards Christ and lasting change. Is your anger primed and ready to be respond to another person's habitual sins? Last one, seven. What is the effect of your anger? How did others react? Did it lead them to repentance or are they scared of you? Do they love you for your words? Or do they despise you? You need to have righteous, a righteous and helpful purpose for your anger. If you don't know how, then you need to fight your anger. Again, what's your effect? What's the effect of anger? So once you've analyzed your anger, you know if you need to correct it or not. The following points I'm going to share with you I learned at a Faith Biblical Counseling Conference. And these are excellent to help you think rightly about your anger and fight in, terms, in those times of temptation. There's nine of them. Use the ones that speak the most to you. Again, if you'd like them, I can give them to you after the service. But first, honestly acknowledge the emotional component of your anger. Honestly acknowledge the emotional component of your anger. This helps you realize there's actually a problem that needs to be changed. If you realize that there's an emotional component to it. Cain couldn't see that sin was crouching at the door waiting to consume him like a wild animal. As a follower of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in us that will help us fight those sinful emotions. Second, factor, in the, so or factor the sovereignty of God into your situation. As we've said before, God has placed you exactly in the situations that you're in. Many times it's to help sanctify you. You need to understand that the Lord is using those tough circumstances to lead you to sanctification. He has control over every situation. He is using them to shape you in the image of Christ. Third, repent and confess your sinful anger to God and the appropriate persons. When you become convicted of sin, you need to repent, yes, but you need to ask for forgiveness for those that you have sinned against. It is incredibly hard to ask forgiveness for those that you have sinned against, especially if they're an unbeliever. But God is using it to shape you like Christ. When you're able to do this, you know that you're on the right path. You know that you are changing when you can ask others for forgiveness for how you have sinned against them. This is a landmark for putting off anger and putting on patience and humility. Fourth, we need to cry out to our Redeemer for grace, strength, and wisdom. We can't fight and win this war on our own. It's an all-consuming fire. You may win a couple battles on your own, but you will lose the war without the help of the Lord. You need the strength that comes from the creator of the universe. You need the strength that comes from our sustainer. Fifth, we need to carefully evaluate our thoughts and replace the false deceptive ideas with the ones that meet biblical criteria. Once you're using the journal of upsets, you'll start to recognize when a situation might set you off when you might be getting into a place that's dangerous for your thoughts, pray that the Lord would take control of your thoughts. You need to pray. Ask him to be with you during those times of temptation. You may still mess up and lose control, but you're on the path to change. The Lord will help you over overcome your anger. Sixth, carefully to evaluate your desires, what you're wanting, and replace those false idols of worship for obedience of your living God. Whether it be on time or anything else, you need to replace those desires 
you'll start to see idols that you hold most dear when you're doing the journal of upsets. They just come right out. The things that we want to sin in order to get, and we'll sin if we don't get it, they will come out. These idols need to be mortified daily. Or as Jesus says, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. Seventh, guard your words and actions and withhold any response until you're certain it will please God. Hold your tongue. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. We need to fight the building fire and focus on glorifying God instead of our own desires. We may need to walk away from a situation to keep us from sinning. Now, it's not a good tactic to take all the time. Walking away and not talking about something can be sinful. But if you can't control your anger, it's a good place to start. Eventually, the Lord will take away your anger in those situations, and you will be able to stay and talk constructively and come to a peaceful solution. Eight, and this hits home for me, keep reminding yourself that your patience for others is minor in comparison to God's patience for you. God sustains us, and I find it truly amazing that he just hasn't snuffed me out years ago. The Lord truly is slow to anger. Ninth, pray for the person who has mistreated you and seek to do good for him and not evil. This is incredibly hard, but it is so freeing when I've done it. Two passages here, Matthew 5, 44. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The Lord can change our deeds from being evil into deeds that are good. We can begin praying for those that used to lead us to anger. When you are praying for someone, it's really hard to be angry with them. It's really hard. Christ is able to change our heart toward anyone. Give him control. He knows what he's doing. In conclusion, I'll just say the main points again. Anger is so much deeper than an action or a feeling. Thankfully, God knows our heart, and he has sent his son to counsel us. In God's sovereignty, some of us have been given a tougher life, but it gives us no right to be embittered. God is deadly serious about anger, and it runs much deeper in each of us than we know. And we have two choices, continue in our sin or repent, continue in our sin or repent and mortify our sin daily. Remember, fighting anger is a war, but it's a war that we can win with the help of Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would help us realize when we get in situations that make us angry. Help us think about our thoughts, help us reflect on our desires, and give us the tools to fight ourselves and our mind in our heart. I pray that you would please uh, have lasting change and that we would ask you into our hearts today. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for that. Thanks for that microphone. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. Wow. It's it's good to share what the Lord's been teaching me for like the past month. And she's like, I know. I know. Oh my gosh. Was the teaching what he's been teaching in the last month for this sermon, so that you can give it with passion, or was the sermon? The sermon just kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. It was a good service. Mm -hmm. It was a good service. Good preaching. Thank you. Wonderfully. Thank you. Do I tell him you're welcome?